let's start with one more word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for um, the time that we're spending here. I'm remembering and relearning and reliving and uh, being reminded of ways that I want to be present uh, in my family's lives and also to have you present in my life. And uh, Lord, to that end, we pray and we just ask that you would speak through me today. Uh, may the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, Kana talked a lot about the power of presence. And um, I thought a lot about this. And, you know, I've, I shared with you the epiphanies that I had early this, this year, back in January, um, and the way the Lord has um, miraculously given me clearer vision. But that's not to say that, uh, you know, any ideas or um, thoughts or um, sermons that I may have uh, preached before were not still uh, to his honor and to his glory. I was still hoping to, at some point, go deeper with the Lord. Um, I don't think I actually even realized the, the lack of my depth at, at that point. Um, I have always wanted to be in his presence. I just didn't really know how to get there, as I said earlier. But um, I've seen some metaphors in my life for... Uh, the opportunities that we have to spend time um, when we're apart from each other. As, I, as Con and I, as I shared with you, were living in two separate towns, there was quite a bit of time that we spent um, on the phone. As she said, using technology, we would, we would text all throughout the day. Um, we would Skype and video conference and use uh, FaceTime to see each other face-to-face, -face, even though we weren't uh, physically uh, in each other's uh, presence. And um, Emily Beth and Matt, our son-in-law, had a, quite a long courtship where they were in two different uh, parts of the country. And part of the time when he took the job in Hawaii, she was in Walla Walla, he was in Hawaii. And so they would be every evening Skyping each other and seeing each other face to face for 45 minutes or an hour and getting to know each other that way. Um, so, you know, if there was a, a title for my sermon, uh, I think I would call it Practicing the Presence. Um, but I think a subtitle might be called Make Your Bed. And um, let me share with you uh, a little history, a little background. If my mother was here right now, she would, con she would uh, confer and, and affirm the fact that I was not the best at making my bed as a child. Um, I, if I heard it, once I heard it a thousand times, Mark, make your bed. Um, I've passed on that gene to my children. Um, it's very rare that on their own without prompting that Taylor will have his bed made when he leaves for school in the morning or Adriana. She's a little better than Taylor probably, but not still not batting 100%. Um, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be married to a woman 
who actually appreciates a house that's nice and neat and in order. And I'm very thankful for that. Um, and I haven't always been a wonderful helper in that, in that vein. Every once in a while, I'll get like a bee in my bonnet and just go scrub toilets and clean, you know, things with toothbrushes and get it like spotless clean. But I'm not like really good at the daily keeping it clean. Uh, I, I, I'm better at doing the, the roll up the sleeves and put on gloves and use bleach and, you know, get it spotless versus the main maintenance and keeping it going. Um, but let's, let's, I'll come back to that in a little bit. We'll talk more about making beds in a minute. But um, like I said, Emily, Beth, and Matt spent a lot of time on Skype. And Connor and I, over the last couple of years, spent quite a bit of time uh, using technology to stay connected, even though we were in uh, other separate parts of the country, her in Walla Walla, me in Denver. And um, during, during the school year when we were separated, um, if it wasn't for um, texting, you know, I remember stories growing up of, of missionary families and somebody would, would go to the other side of the world and there wasn't such a thing as transcontinental phone calls. And, and you would write a letter and three months later the letter would be arriving. And then, so there was long periods of time with no communication and no way to connect and stay connected. And even as a child, I remember when we would call my grandparents, it was maybe a once a week event and it was, you know, we were watching the minutes because every, every penny, you know, it was so much per minute and it was expensive to make these long distance phone calls. Well, today that's not an issue and we can make phone calls to almost anywhere in the globe for, for next to nothing using Skype or, or other uh, online voice, voice uh, over IP uh, technology. And it's a wonderful thing to have technology now that allows us to stay connected in our absence. Um, um, it's what a modern couple does <laughs> to stay connected. Um, and I call it practicing presence. Um, there um, are, you know, I, I just shared with you the idea that, that Kana also likes the house to be clean. Well, when I was living this bachelor lifestyle of, of being home while she was gone, I could easily and more than once it happened, you know, where I was busy and I was rushing to an early morning meeting and I'm coming back late at night and just dropping into bed and then, you know, socks are on the floor and pants get laid over a chair and then another pair of pants get laid over the chair tomorrow and, and dishes start piling up in the sink and, and, you know, towels on the floor in the bathroom. And before you know it, you know, five days have gone by in the house. It really looks like a tornado hit, right? But there's nobody there to see that but me. And so it really didn't matter that much. I mean, I kind of, I like the house to be neat too, but it, you know, I could, I could let it slide for a few days. But there was a bit of discord in my life when that was happening. Um, and, you know, we're really happiest when things are in order and neat around us. And um, like I said, by nature, I'm probably not the most neat person here in this room. Um, and uh, I also uh, am a very busy person. I bite off way more than I can chew. Um, there's a, <laughs> a literally biting off too much uh, that I, more than I could chew story from my uh, 
high school days, my best friend and I were at a Burger King restaurant, and we had ordered veggie whoppers. The, the veggie whopper, it, was, uh, it had cheese and lettuce and tomato and onion on a, the big bun, the big whopper bun, but no, no patty. And uh, we both had ordered one, and we decided, well, let's have a contest and see who can, who can eat the, the veggie whopper in the fewest number of bites. And um, he went first, and he got it down in three bites. And I was like, okay, well, you, the only way to beat him would be to do it in two. And the difference between three bites and two bites is huge, right? There's just like, it's, a, it's huge. And, and, you know, if I, I, so I took the first bite and I almost got half of the sandwich in my mouth. <laughs> almost. But that meant there was a little more than half left over. And if you take most of that and still have, you know, this much left over, it's still, what, three bites, right? You know, so three bites is three bites. And I had to beat him, you know. And um, I shoved that thing into my mouth, and I could barely get my, my lips closed around it, and my tongue was shoved back against the back of my mouth. And, and I, I worked and worked and worked and worked on that, and, and I really thought I was going to choke to death and die right there in, in a Burger King restaurant. I could see it on the 11 o'clock news. You know, local high school boy dies ch choking on a vegetarian Whopper at Burger King. I eventually got part of it down and then the rest of it down and uh, and uh, was victorious in that battle, the bragging rights of that, I you know, I don't know. Anyway, but I do, I, historically, I've always taken on a lot more on my plate. I have more wheel spinning than I should. Um, and it's easy to let things slide. And like I said, sometimes the things start to pile up around the house. And um, it's it's daunting if I know the family is coming home and I've let things slide like that, right? So I've got to now spend hours cleaning things up and maybe they're, they're going to be here. Maybe she's flying back on a plane and she's going to be here in two hours and I've got three hours worth of cleaning to do. And you know what? I decided early on in this whole process, I don't want to live like this anymore. I just, I, I, I don't like this feeling of disorder and you know, Kana wouldn't like it. If she were here, she, she'd be frustrated and, and she wouldn't be happy with, with this disarray, right? And so um, in, the, in, the, for the, in the interest of living in expectation of her return, I decided I wanted to practice her presence as if she were actually there in the house with me. And so... While she was gone this last most recent year, while I was still down there, I purposed in my heart that I wanted to be ready for her at a moment's notice. Even if she were to show up at a, as, as a complete surprise, she would walk in and dishes would be in the dishwasher. There might be one plate in the sink or something, but not, you know, a pile of things. And the, the, the towels would be hanging in the, that, the bathroom, the clothes would be in the ha hamper, and the bed would be made. Okay, so that was what I just, I decided I was going to live keeping the house in the, in the uh, mode as if she were there with me. And um, each morning when I woke up, the first thing I did was right out of, out of bed, I went ahead and pulled those sheets up nice and tight and pulled the comforter up into place and put our, the pillows in place and then the other pillows and then the other pillows and then those other two extra pillows got them all all right in the right spot and you know sometimes I would actually take a picture of it on my phone and text that picture to Connor see 
the bed is made, just wanted you to know. Because she cares. She cares, right? And so I found that keeping things neat and clean in my house only took a few minutes of my day. Just took just a, a matter of moments. And much less effort than trying to get it into this, this same uh, situation if it looked like Hurricane Andrew had hit, right? So um, the other benefit that I found uh, was this. Um, while I was in the act of making the bed, I'd be thinking to myself, this would make Hannah so happy. And I would find myself smiling, thinking about the fact that I was bringing joy to her even though she wasn't there to see it. And that's, I think, what practicing her presence was to me, was just living in the expectation of her being with me, um, even when I couldn't see her. It's interesting. Um, Four-star Admiral Bill McRaven, uh, he's a 36-year Navy SEAL. Um, he's commanded a squadron of the special development group known as SEAL Team, SEAL Team 6. He was in charge of and planned the raid that went in and, and actually captured Osama bin Laden. Um, and during a recent commencement address to some graduates at a university, uh, at the University of Texas in Austin, uh, he was quoted as saying, if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. He continued, if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of accomplishment, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And I found his advice to be true. Young men, do you make your bed every morning? No. Okay. So here's a little advice from a four-star general. Start your day by making your bed. Um, because doing one right thing leads to another. I kind of like what you said in our question and answering uh, session earlier today. You find like if you eat something right, it maybe makes you make another decision that is also a good choice. Or if you, if you choose to eat something maybe that you shouldn't have eaten, maybe you slip in some other area. And I, I think there's something to that, that, that there's almost like a domino effect of one good act leads to another good act leads to another good act. It's a principled thing and it's about living life with purpose. And, um, you know, and in the past when Kana was away and, and if I was home alone and let things go, it was really stressful knowing that she was coming home. Um, but when I was living in this state of expectation, of preparedness, it was actually joyful knowing that they were on their way. And, you know, hey, I, the house is ready. I could, I could actually maybe go light a candle or make things smell good and just do a couple of little extra things because I wasn't stressed out, you know what I'm saying? So then when they would show up, um, everything was looking good. And she knew when she came home that she could expect things to be in order, didn't you? And um, turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them, uh, John 14, verses 1 through 3. Um, I think that this passage... Um, kind of captures um, the essence of, of what we're talking about here, living in the presence of, or, or in the ex, with the expectations and practicing the presence. John 14, 1 through 3, Christ is talking 
uh, to his disciples here. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus had to go away, didn't he? And he left us behind, but he promised that he's coming back. And he gave us signs. He gave us mileposts to know what would be going on so that we would know when his coming was near. And everywhere we look, we see those signs being fulfilled. We see the earthquakes and famines and hurricanes and tsunami and wars and rumors of wars and men's hearts growing cold, right? The hearts of men continually focused on evil. And what is pure and good is portrayed as wrong, and what is evil and lurid is portrayed, portrayed as normal and right in this society. And all of these things are a part of the groaning of this earth. We know that his coming is soon. Um, and uh, 2 Peter 3, 1 through 14. Um, I'm going to turn there in my Bible. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 14. Beloved, I write you this second epistle to stir up your minds by way of a reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and, Sa of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come into the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all of these things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So, we're told that in the, at the end of time, people are going to be willingly ignorant and, and willingly forgetting and scoffing and saying, hey, we've always heard about this. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was born and raised in an Adventist home, and my mother was raised in an Adventist home, and her mother was raised in an Adventist home, and her mother was raised in an Adventist home. And my great-great-great-grandfather was an Adventist pastor living in the 1880s. And he had the privilege of baptizing his father and his grandfather, who was born about 1800. And if you count all of those up, that's, that's about, for my kids, nine generations of people expecting the Lord to come. And, and it's easy to say, well, my great-great-grandfather thought that that was going to happen in his lifetime. And to get kind of this feeling of like, is it ever really going to happen? I mean, we've read accounts of things that were in the Adventist Review during World War I or during World War II, and they pointed to, look, all of this is happening around us. This is, the, the end must be very, very near. Is that any different than the way we feel about the way things are in the world today? And yet, I believe he's coming soon. Do you believe he's coming soon? And, um, I don't want to lose fact or lose sight of that in my own my own mind that I want to stay in this sense of you know I would know when Kana was coming we have technology I can actually look on my phone and see how close she is as as she's driving along with with her phone and she shared her location with me and my location shared with her and we can see each other getting closer and closer our dots getting closer on the screen we can't actually see the dot of Jesus getting closer to us but I don't want to lose, lose sight of the fact that he is coming back. 
Now, there's another important point that I want to share with you, and it's something that we are all aware of, but I think it bears repeating. Um, and that is that God is love. We all know um, the verse, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the first song we all learned as children is, Jesus loves me, this I know. But in our human understanding, I think that sometimes we get a warped idea of what love is. The true meaning of love. And I mean, have you ever heard someone say, well, I love him, but I don't like him very much right now. And there's a difference between, you know, loving somebody. Love is kind of a duty. You know, well, I, I love my parents, or I love, you know, you know but I, I don't really want to spend time with them, or, you know, there, it's possible in our hearts, in our human understanding, to have this concept of, of love as a duty, but liking is a whole different concept. Um, but I want to propose to you that God really likes you. Um, he loves you surely, but he likes you too. Did you ever stop and wonder if God likes you? I mean, that's kind of a different concept. Um, in Zephaniah 3.17, we're told that he's enamored with us, right? He, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one, will save you, and he rejoices over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. It sounds like to me that he likes us. And then he says things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. That sounds a lot like friendship, like he wants to be with us, like he likes us. Um, Luke 15 makes it very clear that God likes us. These three parables about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son, and each one of them has one thing in common. There's a lot of rejoicing over finding the item that was lost, right? We don't re Joyce over finding something that we hate, you know? Um, something that we don't care about or need, something that we just merely tolerate. And yet so many times I've kind of felt like, you know, well, I'm such a wretch. Well, how could God love me? He must just tolerate me, you know? How, how could he really like me? Um, you know, when, when we moved uh, the last time, uh, there was a box of silverware. All of our silverware was in one box. And that box apparently didn't get marked correctly or whatever. And for weeks, I couldn't find the box with the silverware in it. And I actually I had to run to the store and get plasticware. You know? And so I'm eating cereal with a plastic spoon. And you know, it's fine if you're at a picnic. But day after day, it's like, I want to find the forks and the knives and the spoons. And at one point, I went out into the garage to get something else. And I'm moving a box. And, and when I moved that box, I heard, shink, you know, like this metallic clank. And I'm like, could it be? You know, and I, I ripped that box open, and there was all the silverware. And it was like marked, you know, books or something else. I don't know what it was. But it was obvious that it wasn't books. It was silverware. And when I opened it up, I was rejoicing because I found the, the item that was lost. Now, God loves us so much more than forks and knives and spoons or a lost coin or even a sheep. And, um, you know, it's really a neat concept to me that the, that the creator of the universe likes me and wants to spend time with me. 
and wants to be in my presence and wants me in his. And, um, you know, when you like someone, you want to be together. The Lord is coming back soon, and he wants to be together with us. And if we live our lives ready for him, if we live in expectation of his coming, we'll naturally be excited and ready for his return. And in the same way we practice being in each other's presence, you know, doing things for each other. You know, it was not a drudge for me to make the bed every morning. I didn't get up and go, oh, i got to make the bed. Because it made me happy to make her happy, even though she wasn't there to see it happening. And even though that we can't physically see the Lord, even though we can't reach out and touch him right now, he's present with us. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says. And so the things that he's asked us to do, I think sometimes as a kid I felt like, you know, oh, well, I've got to do this and I can't do that. And I, I you know, because of the fact that I didn't feel that really close relationship. But the more that you love someone, the more you like them, and you know that they like you, each thing that you do becomes a pleasure because you're pleasing that person. So my question for you today is twofold. What kind of beds do you need to be making in your life, whether it's for a relationship in your home, for your spouse, for your, uh, for your brother or sister, your mom? What, what are the things that could be annoyances to them if you don't do them that would be easy? And then you could, if you just were to think, okay, I'm going to do this not because necessarily I enjoy the act. I don't enjoy the act of making my bed. But I do enjoy the act of having a clean room. I do enjoy making my wife happy. Even now we're we're together and and you know if she's got class in a few minutes and she jumps out of bed and jumps into the shower, when she gets out of the shower, often she'll look out and the bed's made and she'll go, Oh, oh. That's all she had to say. I, I didn't even she doesn't have to say, Oh, you made the bed, thank you. Just her little oh. I know exactly what she meant when she says oh. Oh, I made the bed for her and it makes her happy. Brings me. To, I don't like making the bed, but I like making her happy. And, you know, so what things in your home can you do that will bring joy and happiness to somebody that really loves you and somebody that really cares about you? Okay, the second thing is, what are the beds, what spiritual beds do I need to be making in my life that will bring joy to my Savior Kana and I and Matt and them spent a lot of valuable time communicating with each other while we were in, in uh, different cities. And what, day, what ways can we daily communicate with God while we're waiting for his return? Are you spending each time talking with him, texting with the Lord? I mean, you know, a prayer is, you know, is breath of the soul, Ellen White says. And, and it's not so much to change God, but it changes us. We should be living in a constant state of communication with the Lord, knowing, asking what his thoughts are and asking what he wants us to do. Um, it's what a modern child of God does to stay connected. Um, you know, it has been said, absence makes the heart grow fonder. 
Is God's absence from us making us love him more? Is it causing more of a longing in our lives and in our hearts, a burning desire? Is it driving us closer together or letting our hearts grow cold? About 10 years ago, we lost Connor's father to cancer. And um, he was a godly man. He loved his family very much. And um, whenever we were together at family gatherings, it was the time that he was happiest. He just loved for the whole family to be together. And um, when we would bow our heads to pray, he would always end his prayers with these words. He'd say, and may we be an unbroken family in heaven someday without the loss of one. It's interesting, um, his brother, Uncle Kurt, was, um, you know, the, he was the guy who didn't want to go to church, who didn't do things. The, you know, uh, Grandpa, Grandpa was, was a doctor who wanted to be a missionary, and he wanted to just you know, live his life sold out to God. And Uncle Kurt kind of took a different path. And all through his life, Grandpa prayed for Uncle Kurt and prayed and prayed and just loved him. And, and you know, they, they didn't see things eye to eye. But Grandpa went to his, his deathbed without a knowledge that Uncle Kurt would be in heaven. And, um, and yet he, I know that was his, one of his dying wishes was that his brother would be in heaven with him. After Grandpa was gone, um, Uncle Kurt gave his heart to the Lord and was baptized and just recently passed away. And um, one of the things I can't wait for is to see the look on, on Grandpa's face on resurrection morning when he sees his brother <laughs> without the loss of that one, you know. It's going to be such a beautiful thing because he didn't have that assurance when he died. And my prayer for my family and for you, for each other, is that we will practice living in the presence of God so that one day we'll find ourselves growing so much fonder of him and so much more connected that, that when we do see that bright cloud on the horizon um, and we look up and we proclaim, behold, this is our God, we've waited for him and he has come to save us, that we will be unbroken families in heaven without the loss of one. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, uh, we want to practice your presence. We want to live in your presence. We want to do the things that bring pleasure and joy to you. We want to do the things in our homes that will bring pleasure to each other, to make our parents happy, to make our children happy, to do things in little things that will just add up to big things. And Lord, we want to be ready when you come back. We want to be ready to see you. Please come soon. We're anxious to go home. But we want to go without the loss of one. And we pray this with your name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.